Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear about what's going on in the world, I just get overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that way? Like we, we're just so aware now of everything that's happening because we have a- constant access to what's going on in our country and around the world. And I hear about national disasters and international disasters and poverty and, and crime and violence and disease and divorce rates and drug addiction. And I mean, it's just, there's so much going on. And have you ever had the experience where you get on Twitter or Facebook or whatever you use, Instagram, and everybody's talking about something and you're trying to figure out what the latest event is Everybody is commenting on something and you're like, did I miss it? What, what was it? And you're trying to figure out. And we just have a constant connection and access to what's going on in the world. It's overwhelming. And it's not like the stuff in our own lives just disappeared. We also hear about things going on with neighbors and you know, we hear about accidents that somebody may have been in or somebody is sick or or somebody has a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, or there's, you know, a marriage that's struggling, or somebody's business is struggling, or there's financial challenge, and we, we're just aware of these things. And maybe part of it is just the nature of being a pastor. You know, at the church, we, we tend to hear about people's prayer requests, which is an honor to be able to pray with people when they're going through hard things. But it's also just overwhelming sometimes. And literally, sometimes I will just pray, God, like, can we just get a break? Can you just give us a break? It's overwhelming because there, there's so much of it. And it's also overwhelming because as much as I would love, and maybe you felt this before, as much as I would love to be able to solve every problem, it's like I don't even know where to start with most problems. And so there's a helplessness that comes along with our access to all kinds of of problems in the world. There's a helplessness that, okay, like Bob Dylan said, everything's broken, but I don't know what to do about it. And I don't know that I can fix it. Uh, This week, Courtney and I uh, were doing a Star Wars marathon. Um, And so we started with The Mandalorian, which is kind of what kicked us off into this uh, marathon, and we, we mainly liked the, Ma- the Mandalorian because Baby Yoda reminds us of our daughter, okay? So uh, we were watching that, and then after uh, the Mandalorian, Courtney was like, can we go back and just watch the originals? And I was like, absolutely. And so I've probably seen, you know, episode four like a gazillion times. Like I could basically quote the whole movie. And so we went back and watched that this weekend. And in uh, A New Hope, Star Wars Episode 4. We're about to go deep here, okay? So if you, if you do not like Star Wars or have never heard of it, um, it's in a galaxy far, far away. Um, yeah, just bear with us. It'll make sense even if you don't understand Star Wars. Um, there's this scene and um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is with Luke and they're in Obi-Wan's house. And Obi-Wan is trying to convince Luke to come with him because he's just heard this message from Princess Leia 
and he's got to go deliver these plans to Alderaan, and so he's inviting Luke to come, and here's how Luke responds to him. He says, look, I can't get involved. I've got work to do. It's not that I like the empire. I hate it, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. And as I heard that, I thought, you know, that's, that's how I feel about the problems in the world right now. It's not that I like what's going on everywhere. It's not that I like all the pain that people are going through. It's not that I like all of the COVID restrictions or the economic challenges or all the violence taking place in D.C., but, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. I'm helpless. And maybe you've had that feeling before. And that is why Jesus came. Jesus came to the earth because the brokenness was so widespread and because nobody could fix it. And so Jesus came to lead people like us who are trapped in a broken world. Jesus came to lead us out In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's returning from the wilderness. We looked at him in the wilderness last week. He's returning from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, and he goes to a synagogue, which was a local Jewish community. And they were gathered together, and he grabbed the scroll of Isaiah, the same book that we have studied together just a few months ago. He grabs the scroll and he turns to Isaiah chapter 61 and he reads this. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He reads that from the scroll and then he rolls it back up and he says, what you just heard has been fulfilled in your hearing. Or in other words, what you just heard read, I am the one it's talking about. I am the one who has come to bring good news to all people. He says he's come to bring good news to the poor to bring release to the captives, sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. And I think he's being literal and figurative. He's saying, listen, if you're someone who's poor, if you struggle financially, I've come for you. If you're a prisoner because of something that you've done, I've come for you. But he's also speaking figuratively. He's saying, if you've ever been poor in spirit, if you've ever realized that, that the world is asking more of you than you can give, if you've ever realized that you don't measure up, if you've ever realized that, that you're trapped in these patterns of destructive thinking or destructive behavior, if you've ever realized that you're trapped, that you're a prisoner, then I've come to set you free. And that's why we're calling this series Good News for All people. 
because anyone is welcome with Jesus. He has come to set us free. Now, my guess is that hearing that doesn't sound new to you. My guess is that you've heard things like that before from church people like me, but maybe you've wondered, okay, but how does Jesus set people free from brokenness? And if that's true, why are so many things still broken? And that's what we want to talk about in this series. What we're going to do in this series is walk through uh, Luke chapter 4 through chapter 9. And for the next nine weeks, we're going to see these events where Jesus will encounter someone and he will do amazing miracles, basically. And with each one of those things that, that we look at, we're going to see how Jesus is doing something great for that person, yes, but he's also telling us something about who he is and the kingdom that he's bringing. And we're going to see how the hope that we need is only found in Jesus. But today is just the introduction. And so today, what we're going to do is look at Jesus calling his first disciples. Particularly, we're going to look at his encounter with this man named Simon Peter. And what we're going to see in this text is this, that if we are to embrace Jesus and this mission that he's on to bring good news to all people, to redeem people from brokenness, if we're going to embrace Jesus and his mission, then where do we start? Where do we start? We maybe feel like Luke Skywalker. I don't know. I can't do anything about it right now. But Jesus wants to invite us to follow him. He's calling us to be a part of his mission of redemption so that we can be redeemed and so that we can join him in his mission. So what does it look like just to start? Where do we start? That's what we're going to see in Luke chapter 5 today. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, is where we will be. We're going to walk through this together, and then we're going to talk about a few uh, principles or lessons that we can draw from this story. All right? So Luke chapter 5, verse 1. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So Jesus is teaching and large crowds are following him. And the reason for that is, first of all, his teaching was really good and people wanted to be around it. And he taught with authority, which means he didn't just say what other rabbis before him had said, but he actually spoke like he was the one who could interpret the scriptures. And so people wanted to hear what he had to say. And he had also done a lot of incredible miracles at this point. He went into a town and literally healed all the sick people. They just kept bringing people to him. He stayed put and just healed one after another. And so as you can imagine, lots of people started talking about him and they wanted to get to know more about him. And so news is spreading and it says that the crowd is pressing in on him. So he is teaching and they're 
they're just surrounding him and he's kind of backing up to this lake. It says it's the lake called Gennesaret. The lake Gennesaret is just another term for the Sea of Galilee. You can still visit it today. It's very beautiful. And so Jesus, this huge crowd is following him. And as he's teaching, he looks over and there are two boats that are by the water. And the fishermen are no longer in the boats because the fishermen are washing their nets. Now let me ask you something. Do you think that you should wash your nets before you go fishing or after you've gone fishing? When would the nets be dirty and need to be washed? After you've gone fishing, right? So it doesn't make any sense to wash them before you go fishing because they're about to get super gross and dirty and grimy out there in the water. So you wash them afterwards. So the fishermen are done for the day. They've already gone fishing, so they've left their boats. They're over washing their nets. Jesus sees the boats, and here's what he does. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, or Jesus is going to nickname him Peter later on. So we're going to call him Peter. Which belonged to Simon and asked him, to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So Jesus sees the boat. He's getting pressed in on by the crowd and he thinks, I'll just get in the boat. And so that's what he does. The boat he happened to get in was Peter's. And then he calls to Peter, who's over busy washing his nets, which is his job. And he says, hey, could you actually let out the boat a little bit from shore? I'm gonna teach people in the boat. And Peter is like, uh, I guess. Have you ever had somebody show up in your office and you're just trying to finish an email and they just like keep talking to you? And you're like, if you would just leave, I could finish this. That's the moment Peter's having here. He's like, wait a minute. Uh, I don't know if you know anything, but I'm like ready to go home for the day. We're done. We've already docked. We've already tied the rope around. We're cleaning up so I can get home. I've been out all night fishing. Jesus is saying, hey, can you just, hey, sorry to interrupt you, but could you just let out a little bit from the shore? And Peter has enough respect for Jesus because he's this famous teacher now. He's a healer. He just so happened to heal Peter's mother-in-law. And so he has enough respect to say, Okay, we'll let out a little from shore so you can keep your little sermon going from the boat. And so that's what he does. Verse four. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And now Peter is like, Okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. First of all, you're a carpenter, okay? I'm a fisherman. Maybe you just don't know how fishing works, okay? The best time of day to fish is at night, early in the morning, because that's when the fish come to the top and you're more likely to catch them. So what you're telling me, it's impractical. It makes no sense. And not only that, but it's also super inconvenient because we just finished cleaning our nets. We've been washing our nets. We don't want to haul back out there. It's like you've gotten home, you've gotten everybody settled, 
We're not going back out now. We're not going to the store. We're not going to the mall. We're not doing anything because we finally got everybody cleaned up and we're just in for the night. So let down my, I mean, haul out to the middle of the sea and let down my nets. It's impractical. It's inconvenient. But it wasn't impossible. In other words, Jesus is asking Peter to do something that he's done a thousand times. Every single day he does what Jesus is asking him to do. Jesus is just asking him to do it a little bit differently. He's asking him to trust that he might know something about Peter's life and Peter's job that he doesn't know. Peter responds to him in verse 5. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. So what kind of mood is Peter in? If you're a fisherman, you need to catch fish, right? That's literally how you support your family. That's how you keep your business going. Simon owned this boat, so he must be, at least he has somewhat of a partnership in the business. And so his livelihood depends on catching fish. He's been out there all night and he hasn't caught anything. He's ready to go home for the day. I've been out there all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Because you say so. Look, if anybody else is asking, there's no way we're hauling back out to the middle of the sea. But I've got enough respect for you that we'll do it. Now, he doesn't think it's going to work. He thinks it's stupid as, you know, as can be. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Verse 6. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Remember when Jesus was teaching there were two boats? Jesus just got into one of them, Simon's, and they hauled out to the sea now. Now they're starting to catch fish, and they're starting to tear their nets. There's so many fish. And so they start yelling at the other boat and their other partners and they say, hey, come help us with this. And so the other boat comes out there and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And so Peter is watching this take place. He's watching all the people who work for him scramble to get all of the stuff in the boat. He's never seen a catch this big before and he's watching all of this happen and he's not always the smartest tool in the shed but he does get it right this time and he realizes in this moment, wait a minute, this is not just about the fish. This is about the man in the boat who told us to go out into the deep when it made no sense to do so. There's something different about him. And in the midst of the chaos going on, he starts to think, 
Who is this guy? So here's what he says, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Do you notice what he calls Jesus? What does he say? He says, the Lord. What did he call him the first time? Master. Master is just a term of respect. Now he's calling Jesus Lord. He's recognizing that this guy, there is a difference about him. He is way greater than anything that I've experienced. And so he falls at his knees and he says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. In the face of Jesus' power and glory, he recognizes that Jesus is the Lord. And so his response is to say, get away from me. I can't be around somebody like you. And more importantly, you would not want to be around somebody like me. If you knew the kinds of thoughts I have, if you knew the kinds of conversations I have on the boat before you were here, if you knew some of the things that I've been guilty of, you would not be with me. So he says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Verse 9. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Here's what Jesus does. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Peter recognizes who's in the boat. He's afraid to be with him, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Why not? Because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring good news for all people. And that includes sinners like Peter. And then he says, look, come with me. He kind of makes this clever remark. He says, from now on, you're not going to be fishing like this. You're going to be catching people. He's just being clever and kind of funny, I think. And then they leave everything, meaning the biggest haul of fish they've ever seen. They walk away from it to be with Jesus. So if we are going to embrace Jesus and his mission of redemption, where do we start? I think this text gives us some clues. First, if we want to embrace Jesus and his mission, where do we start? We start 
by understanding who Jesus is. We need to understand who Jesus is. What's interesting is Peter has this encounter with Jesus, with the fish. He recognizes that he's Lord, and then, you know, he says, I I don't need to be around you. What's interesting is Peter has another encounter with Jesus. Almost exactly like this. Peter leaves everything here. He starts to follow Jesus. He watches Jesus do more miracles than he could possibly recount throughout their time together. They're just literally spending every day for three years together. Every single day, Jesus is doing new stuff. So, I mean, he couldn't remember all the things Jesus does. He sees Jesus be betrayed by one of their friends. He watches Jesus be arrested and he eventually will deny Jesus. He'll see Jesus go to the cross and be crucified. He will run with his fishing partner to the tomb and he'll discover it empty. Then he'll see his risen friend, Jesus. And then he'll go fishing again. John 21. He takes his friends and his partners fishing again, and they have another long night where they don't catch anything. And this time they hear a voice from the shore. And it's a guy who's being a smart aleck, basically, and he's like, hey, did you guys catch anything? And they're like, no, we've been out here all night. And he says, well, did you try the other side of the boat? Which is just being a smart aleck because it's not like they were only fishing on one side of the boat, right? They were fishing everywhere. So he's like, well, why don't you try the other side? And they're like, this guy. And then they're like, all right, just throw it out there and show him that he's... So they throw it out there and all of a sudden they start to catch more fish than they can possibly imagine. And Peter and John look at each other and John says, it's the Lord. And so this time, do you know how Peter responds? See, the first time that he experienced Jesus' power in this way, he said, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. This time in John 21, after he's seen Jesus do all of these things, he better understands who Jesus is and he better understands what Jesus has come to do, which is bring good news to all people. And so here's what Peter does. He ties on his pants because he had stripped down to fish, and then he jumps in the water and he swims as fast as he can to get to Jesus. The first time he encounters Jesus' power, he realizes that you're the Lord and I can't be with you. I cannot be around you. Because if you're the Lord, that means I'm accountable to you. That means that I've sinned not just against my wife at times and not just against my kids at times and not just against my government at times, but I've sinned against you and you are the one I'm ultimately accountable to. He recognized that in Luke chapter five, but by the end, by John 21, he's come to see that not only is Jesus the most dangerous person in the world because he's the Lord who holds all people accountable 
for their thoughts and actions. But Jesus is also the only safe place for sinners. Because apart from Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross that Jesus witnessed, apart from that, apart from Jesus laying down his life on the cross to save sinners, to make it possible for sinners to be forgiven, there is no hope for sinners like you and me. At first, Peter just recognized, you're the Lord. That means that's bad news for me. Get away from me. Now, Peter better knows who Jesus is. He understands who Jesus is. He knows the good news. And so he realizes that in the face of Jesus's power and glory, the only safe place for me is to be as close to you as I can be. Let me ask you something. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you understand who Jesus is? See, as long as you approach Jesus like he's just the guy that your parents said, you have to, you know, he's always the right answer. As long as Jesus is just the guy you talk about when you get dragged to church. As long as Jesus is just the name on a rioting sign in Washington, D.C., then there's all kinds of reasons to ignore him or even hate him. But when you realize that Jesus is the Lord, he's the one who will ultimately judge you for your thoughts and your actions, and he is also the only one who can save you from your sins. When that dawns on you, and you'll leave everything to be with him. You'll give your life to follow him. Have you ever had a moment where you were struck by your guilt? Where you, like literally, have you had a moment in your life where you had done something wrong and you got caught? Do you remember the panicking feeling that you had when you realized that there was no way out? There was nowhere you could turn because you were caught. Do you remember that feeling? The good news of Jesus that is for all people is that when you have that moment, when you're caught and there's nowhere to go, Jesus has come to me. Come to me. Do you know Jesus like that? The invitation for you, the call that Jesus has for you today, whether you've been a Christian forever or whether you're just considering, the call is the same. It's come know me. Come trust me because I'm the Lord and I'm the Savior. First, we need to understand who Jesus is. Here's the second thing we need to do if we're going to embrace Jesus and his mission. Is we've got to let down our nets. What do I mean by that? Well, Peter, he's a fisherman. So what he does every day 
is let down his nets. Jesus was asking him to do it differently just because he said so. Not because it made sense, not because it was convenient, but just because he said so. And what hung in the balance of Peter's decision to obey, he didn't know. He didn't know what hung in the balance of whether or not he was going to obey this. For all he knows, it was going to be stupid and not work out. But he had enough respect for Jesus to try it. The point of that is this. If you are going to embrace Jesus and his mission in your life and in the world, then you've got to allow Jesus to have authority over every area of your life. Jesus is not just the one that you take cues from when you're at church. It's not like Jesus is in charge of my religious part of life. But when I get to work, let me tell you, I know better how to sail, you know, stuff than Jesus. I know better how to, how to run a company than Jesus. I know better how to teach a, a classroom full of kids than Jesus. You got to drop your nets. You've got to allow Jesus to have authority over every area of your life. So what would it look like for you to drop your nets? You know your life better than me. Maybe there's, again, this is an everyday kind of thing. Maybe there's something about your dating life, something about the way that your dating life is going. And deep down, you know, this is not how Jesus would have me do things. Maybe there's something about your marriage And you know, it's going to be inconvenient to change and it's actually impractical too because I don't really know, we'll have to figure it out again and we're kind of already in a groove. But but what if we were going to drop our nets and let Jesus have authority over this area of our lives too? Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's in how you spend your mornings or how you spend your afternoons. Maybe it's how you spend your, your evenings. Maybe it's how you operate at school or at work. Maybe it's how you handle your finances. What if you dropped your nets and you said, Jesus, you can have authority over this too. Pastor Tim Keller says that if you, if you only obey Jesus when it makes sense to you, you're not really obeying Jesus. You're letting Jesus advise you. To obey Jesus is to do what he says just because he says so. Is Jesus your advisor or is he your Lord? Um, To give you an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about, okay, this is not to build myself up in front of you. This is just an example to get you thinking. All right, I noticed that something in my life that was not as good as it should be or as honoring to, to Christ as it should be is just when I was in bed... I was on my phone all the time, just looking at Twitter and Tennessee football coaching searches, rumors, and things like that, all right? And it's a waste of time. And I would check email and respond to emails. And again, there's no argument that could be made for why that's actually a good thing, right? It's just more fun than sitting there having to talk all the time or sitting there and just like reading or doing something else, productive, right? So, um, so I knew that. And finally, I just decided, you know what? We need to give Jesus access to this area of my life too. And so here's what we did. I just, now I leave my phone outside our bedroom. It does not come in our bedroom. And we had to get an old school alarm clock. 
And so now we have a much more annoying sound that we wake up to. But it's just a, a way of literally just putting a boundary in place to say, we're going to drop our nets. We're going to let Jesus have authority over every area of our lives. What would that look like for you? Here's the third thing. To embrace Jesus and his mission, where do we start? We've got to understand who Jesus is. We've got to let down our nets. And finally, we've got to fish for people. We've got to fish for people. That just simply means we've got to be intentional and we've got to be aware of the people in our lives. And especially people who do not know Jesus. And we just, we, we take an interest in them. We want to see them be caught. We want to see them experience the good news that Jesus brings. And so we, we start to fish for people. And just like Jesus led Peter to do some things that were inconvenient and impractical, and yet it, it yielded a multitude of fish, may we be led by Jesus to go out into the deep, even when it's inconvenient and impractical, so that we can let down our spiritual nets to fish for people. And may we see a multitude of people come to know and love Jesus. We've got to fish for people. To close, I just want to share this brief story with you that I heard from a man this week. Um, I was meeting with this guy. He's an older man who comes to our church. He probably wouldn't like me saying he's an older man. Um, he's older than me, and he comes to our church. And um, his journey of walking with Jesus is basically just him saying yes to three simple invitations. The first is his dad asked him if he would go to youth group. He hated youth group, so he didn't want to go. But because his dad asked him to, he had respect for his dad, and he went. When he got there, he met this guy that he kind of liked, and so he was willing to come back a few times. One of the times when he came back, the friend that he liked um, had gone to a revival service and had become a Christian. And even though they were at this church, they actually weren't talking about the gospel in their particular church. And so this guy went and became a Christian at this other event, and he came back and he was telling this man about it. And he was saying, do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to be saved? And he was like, I guess so. And so the guy shared the gospel with him. And from that, from that night on, he said that something was just different about him. He trusted Jesus. But for about 20 years, he called himself a Christian at that moment, but he just didn't take his faith that seriously. And for 20 years he did that, but then he had kids and he wanted his kids to, you know, have some kind of spiritual foundation. So he decided to come to church and send them to Sunday school. So that's what they did. And then there was a man, he was sitting there by himself one Sunday, waiting for the service to start. And a man came up to him and said, hey, would you teach this class with me? And he thought, I, that's the last thing I want to do. That's inconvenient. It's impractical. I don't know anything to teach. And so he told him that he would think about it for a week and then he intended to tell him at the end of that week that he had thought about it and he was not going to do it. And somehow he, he kind of got roped into it. But eventually he said yes to that invitation to teach the class. And it was through that process that he began to study the Bible on his own and take his relationship with the Lord seriously. And now 
that was many years ago. Now, he's a man who fishes for people. I mean, he's literally just such a great guy. Gives so much of his life to following Jesus. But all of that came just from him saying yes to three simple invitations. And invitations like that are powerful. Peter had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision to follow Jesus. His life was just about the Sea of Galilee and trying to catch as many fish as possible to feed the mouths at home. He had no idea that Jesus' mission for him would not just go around the Sea of Galilee, but would go around the Mediterranean Sea and would stretch around the entire world as he fished for not real fish, but people. He had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision to say yes. And here's the deal, neither do you. But Jesus is offering the same call to you that he offered to Peter. It's follow me. Follow me. Let down your nets and go catch some people. And you don't know what hangs in the balance of your decision to say yes to that invitation. But my hope for you is that you would embrace Jesus and his mission of bringing good news for all people. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to bring good news for people like me and people like each of us. God, I pray that we would answer your call. I pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard and courage to do it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.